Hey everybody, it's Kat, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Matt. Hey everyone, how's it going? Hey, uh, we are back. This is our first episode back for season three. Yep, uh, you know, it's been uh, an interesting time off, lots going on, and uh, happy to be back and happy to have you all listening again. Yeah, and so technically I think this is episode 24. Yes, it is. That is like a lot. Um, not, as, you... not as a lot as some other people who record like three or four times a week, but I mean. Uh, no, not as a lot as that, but you know, it's it's. I feel like it's a lot for us, so. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, so we, we've been at this just like about a year, <clears throat> and um, so... <laughs> has it been a year? Well, if it has 24, doesn't really <laughs> sound like a lot, but... Um... Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, we did take a break before, and, uh, you know, took another break after 12 episodes, so... Um... Yeah, we, you know, I think 12 episodes of us is enough. And people need a break. Um, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, today is a really interesting um, episode to come back, I think, because we have some guests, and that's always amazing. And the ones we have today are no exception to that. They're all very interesting and um, have a lot to say. So, uh, I'm really excited to talk with our guests. As am I. Yeah, I bet you are, too. Um, <laughs> no, I am, so, really. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, who would not be excited about the guests that we have today? And the topic, you know, is, um, is especially uh, interesting to me because um, it's going to be about a play, Gorilla Girl, that I wrote. And, um, you know, it... What's the, what's the uh, what's the backstory on Gorilla Girl? Yeah, so I wrote the play. I want to say about two years ago, and um, it has pretty much just like been in the you know in the computer file, just sitting there really, um, and then the opportunity with Dramatist Guild came open. Um, for it to, you know, to have its debut again, and um, so we started with an original cast, and I, I was there for the first reading. Um, but but the um, the ending was a bit intense for some, and um, so we ended up having to replace two cast members. Like, wow. <laughs> well, Right, up, right up, right out of the door. <laughs> so, huh. uh, it was. I mean, I guess I'd have to say I was shocked more than anything because I don't know. To me, it's it's like. Um, I mean, it's a play, so. Uh, right. Yeah. Well, it, it you know, didn't... some people when they when they listen to a play or you know watch a play or whatever. They become emotionally 
invested, <clears throat> excuse me, emotionally invested in the characters and, uh, you know, uh, something were to happen to one of them, they might not, you know, they might have a strong reaction to that. Well, and, and I, I think that must be, I mean, that's all I can figure as to what happened in this case. And um, so, you know, I was thinking like, goodbye, Gorilla Girl. And, you know, this is not going to work out. Um, but then, uh, strangely enough, the very first um, two people uh, to read this play, like read it at a reading out loud, um I called upon them, who I, who I remained Facebook friends with, and uh, was able to get them on board. So we, you know, we ended up with a cast that I had kind of used before, mm-hmm. uh, playing those roles, and and it was really, I mean, I, I I think it was, I think that was the cue to me that it was going to be, the play was going to definitely get people to have a conversation. Right. After viewing it, uh, you know, if they did not have to seek mental help, <laughs> <laughs> and even if they did, that uh, you know, there'd still be a conversation. I imagine just would be a counselor. Right. You know, I don't mean I don't mean to make light of the. I mean, I guess in some ways I do because it's the only way I know to like really react to it because I've never never had that happen before. Um, so, you know, I. I, I just, um, I can't, I don't know. I, I was just, um, in a way I was like shocked and another way I was like, well, it, you know, it has an impact, but right. you know, I, I don't know if it was like the right impact of what I was intending or, you know, so anyways, it, it did make me rethink things. And, um, you know, uh, you read Gorilla Girl like, uh, shortly after, you know, I contacted you, and um, you, you seem to be doing okay. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it did not mentally scar me or anything like that. Um, I will say that the, the, you know, there were parts of it that were pretty intense, uh, and um, you know, it was interesting. Uh, I, people just have a. People are going to have a, a pretty strong reaction to how things turn out. So, well, I think in this case it was a little bit of not expecting what happens at the end to happen. Um, you know, so the shock of it plus the way that it happens. I mean, that's just all I can figure. Like, um, yeah. Um, but I mean, how, what are your feelings about that from a writing perspective? Does that make you? Do you want to make people feel things that strongly, or does that make you uncomfortable? Or? Uh, it doesn't make me uncomfortable. I mean, um, you know, uh, I think if you're trying to start a dialogue about something, then you know, certainly having a play that does that. Uh, you know, or something in the play that does that, uh, you know, that's sort of your goal, is it not? Uh, I mean, it is for me. I, I like that type of writing. I, I like the, the impact that writing can have like that to, 
actually start dialogues that hopefully will, you know, cause people to reflect and look at ways they, they might need to make a change or, um, right. you know, just offer them hope. <laughs> I mean, I, I would, I don't think Gorilla Girl in particular probably offers a lot of hope. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but I, I do think that it's a cautionary tale of what can happen, you know, if you go down certain paths. So in that way, I, you know, I think it could be a wake up call. So. That is true. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, yeah. It certainly does, you know, it does uh, get a reaction and it does make people think. And um, there's, you know, I'm sure there'll be some good discussion about it. Yeah, and so uh, we're going to have some of that today just in a second with our guests. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of the stuff I want to talk about with them will be about the characters and their feelings towards the, what happened and you know that kind of thing. So uh, I don't want to reveal too much right now. We'll uh, to be discussing that with our guests. Right. Yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing what they have to say. Hey, everybody. We're so excited to have with us today Christy Connolly, and she is a theater director at Union College. Christy, welcome to Backstory Sessions. We're really glad to have you. Hi. Thank you, Kat. I'm really excited to be here. Well, and my first question for you is to tell us just a little, little listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, what made you decide to... Uh, take on this project of Gorilla Girl? Yeah, so as Kat said, I'm the program director and assistant professor of theater at Union College in Barberville, Kentucky. And um, I went to school at Birmingham Southern College in Birmingham, Alabama, where I got my bachelor's of arts in theater. And like my mom got me into theater when I was about six years old. <laughs> in community theater so I've just always grown up around that um, and then I got my master's at Texas Tech University and graduated in May of 2019 so um, that's kind of a bit about my background and um, I was part of the Roots of the Bluegrass New Play Festival where I met Matt and we did his um, his play uh, yeah. returned to me. Yes. <laughs> and so that's how I got connected with Kat. And it was really exciting to meet someone, you know, who is a fellow artist in this area. I've only been here for two years, so I'm still getting my footing, especially with COVID and everything. So um, I was just really excited that she reached out and wanted to work with my actors again. And um you know, it was really just another way to explore um, a challenging piece with some with some of my students and to build that connection with Kat and with the the local community of art. Well, I'm glad that you said the challenging piece, because my next question that I had, like, uh, was uh, <laughs> there are some challenges to this play. And so what did you see? Um, as the challenges that you might face and how did you address them as you move through the process? 
Yeah, so the content itself um, can be pretty intense for some people. It's got um, pretty sexually explicit language and um, moments of self-harm and suicide that could be triggering to people. So, you know, I, I tried to um, make sure that actors and students felt safe with that. Um, and, you know, we did have some turnover with our actors, which happens. So I um, was really lucky to have some people step in and take over with that. But I mean, art takes us to, you know, it, the dark corners that no one really wants to, to look at. And I think what, what I love about this piece is it's so honest. And so I knew that that might, especially in this community <laughs> in Eastern Kentucky, you know, I don't know, it just might be a bit challenging for people to digest. And um, especially the character of Kay, of Keith, um, is, you know, a very interesting character that people often see just instantly as the villain. And so I knew I wanted to help humanize him um, by working with the tactic, working with his goals, you know, working with Gareth to understand what is his mindset, you know. We don't want to approach him as just, oh, he's this bad guy because nobody's everyone's complex, you know, right. And, uh, you know, people may respond like, oh, what? But I feel like we've we've captured the complexity of that character in a way that makes him relatable, you know. Um, so did you find yourself being on Team Cat or Team Keith um, by the end of the play? Uh, gosh, oh. Uh. Team Nikki, okay? Okay, <laughs> that works too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Keith is, is really a tough character for me to connect with just because of my own experiences on, you know, dating apps and dating relationships. And so it was really, I would ask uh, Gareth a lot of questions about like, why, you know, why do you think he's saying this? And so I do think I gained a lot of understanding about, you know, about Kay, about people who are are similar to him, right. uh, but I wouldn't say I'm Team Kay. <laughs> this is okay. Yeah. Enough. And is, was there a turning point um, for how you viewed a certain character um, that maybe you had one idea or preconceived idea about them? And then there was a moment that turned that perspective. Was there a character that that happened for, with? Yeah, I mean, definitely with Keith. Um, just why is he always bringing up the physical? Why is he always bringing up the sexual? And, um, you know, kind of realizing it's this fear of intimacy, of emotional intimacy. And that he uses sexual language and discussions about sex and flirtations that are very explicit to kind of um, go back to the safety zone. So when, when you know, Kat starts to soften him and push some buttons and make him feel a certain way, he kind of flips the script and goes to, um, to his sexuality because that's where he's comfortable. And that really helps me understand that character more. Okay. And one criticism I think of the play, or I anticipate to be a criticism, is that um, it portrays women characters or female characters as uh, being dependent on uh, a man or a relationship in order to be mm -hmm. happy. So um, how would you respond to that? 
is do would you think that's a true criticism or um do you see something else yeah i mean it definitely doesn't pass the bechtel test <laughs> if you're aware of that you know the uh characters are not talking about males you know there's like it's like a scale so if um are the female characters always talking about a man that's kind of a, a check against the bechtel so um but i don't know i see it more as like an honest depiction of how women's relationships are with with men and with with women with their best friends you know like right. from nikki's perspective she's helping cat navigate this and I, don't, I really never got the impression that she's dependent on this because she's working through a relationship with her, you know, ex-husband that really crushed her. And that's, that's real. And just the fact, and just because he was a man doesn't, you know, that could have been a female partner and it would still be the same heartbreak. Um, right. Right. And I think many of us do find worth in, you know, our relationships. And that's something that's very human. So, yeah. So, um, how satisfied are you with um, the final product that you've produced? I am very, very proud of it. Um, last night at our tech rehearsal, I was just really, really impressed with the journey of the characters and how the actors portrayed that with such depth and honesty. And then I love the technical pieces we've been able to incorporate with um, yeah. You know, with the photos, since it's about catfishing, <laughs> and uh, the little gif where we get some of the texting between the two. So working with um, those vocal dynamics, since it is a reading, and then those technical elements, I think, has really elevated it. And I think when Brian Walker said last night that it felt more like a production to him than a reading. I think that was a, a beautiful credit to the work that you've done with the cast and that they've done, um, because I think it exceeded what he had expected going into it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so thank you, Christy. Uh, next time then, I would like to welcome Elena Newbert to Backstory Sessions. Elena, where are you? Hi. You. And Elena placed um, Catherine, the character of Catherine in Gorilla Girl. So tell us a little bit about you and your acting and uh, how you ended up with playing this character of Catherine in Gorilla Girl. When I first took a look at the script, I was a freshman in college. Um, and that was when, like, the first reading happened, I think, 2018, I think. Um, yes. And initially during the first read-through I was the youngest person in the room so that was a little intimidating reading such a really good script and being so young and having this role of Catherine um my theater um experience has been minimal I've done many shows but not with the responsibility of having the role of Catherine which I'm still very honored to have and we are very happy to have you play that role. Because um, I would have to say, last night watching you um, was pretty amazing. I um, I saw so much of what I envisioned Catherine to be. I saw you portray that. And that was really the first time I felt like, you know, that I had seen or met that character. 
So it was a, it was amazing for me. And um, how did you? So Christy's mentioned about the emotional parts of this. How did you prepare emotionally to play such a uh, a very troubled character? Um, it took me a while to be comfortable with the character of Catherine, um, especially at the very beginning. Um, it was more of a, um, just read through it, it'll be fine. And then I was like, okay, now let's actually put some work into it. And I found very, like, very uh, strong similarities between me and the character of Catherine. Um, very much like Catherine, I've done, like, online dating and stuff like that. Um, and luckily for me, I've had um, the honor of getting through online relationships um, for Catherine. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, being able to look at myself and see myself with similarities with Catherine, that's what really prepared me. And getting into those nitty gritty emotions um, which aren't easy to face, but once overcoming those emotions and seeing like, okay, the, this is how it is and I can play this through the script. That's what really um, got me through to being able to play her honestly, which was the goal. So what's it like? It's a hard question to ask, but I, I mean, I also see it as from a director's point of view, this would be a hard role to cast simply because what is it like playing the ugly character? I mean, that's the way she's portrayed throughout, whether it's the way she just sees herself and she's really not, you know, quote unquote, ugly, or, um, but you're still, you know, trying to portray that to the audience. So you know, how, did, how did you adjust your mindset to that, to like, feel like, you know, Elena doesn't feel like, ugly girl but now I have to play someone who is um it was very much digging into older emotions that I used to feel about myself there was a point in time where I did feel like I was the ugly person and oh. that was very hard to get through and having to look back on um, myself and the journey that I've come to love myself as a person um it was it was very hard at the beginning to like see myself like oh my god that's how I felt about myself but also seeing that's how Catherine sees herself and I know what that's like and being able to apply it to the script in an honest point of way or point of view um, that was that was just what was needed to apply and how to put it well, one of the lines, I mean, because Catherine, although she she is a very broken character, um, she does a very deceitful thing in betraying her friend. Uh, how did you manage that mindset from, you know, feeling how she's broken and low self-esteem but how did you get into the manipulative mindset? She's very complex in a way. Yeah, she she is a complex character. Um, it took that. That's probably the, the main thing that I struggled with playing Catherine. Like, 
how do I play this manipulative side of Catherine? Because what she does is very manipulative, not only towards Nikki, but also towards Keith as well. So yeah. it was a matter of um, reading the script over and over again and just trying to understand it from her point of view. Because I very much see it from Nikki's point of view, but trying to see it through her eyes and fi- trying to find that reasoning to her that's valid um, is what gave me the ability to portray the mani- the manipulative side of her um, in a were very you, clear way. Were you ever able to come to an understanding that that satisfied you that she maybe wasn't justified per se, but that you could understand what about her led to this deception? I was, I was able to um, find, you know, like the reason for it and be able to understand it and relate to it. But I, I'm still very much on Nikki's side, which is <laughs> a horrible thing to say. That's just, I'm talking about my character and I'm not even on my own character's side. And, you know, I think that's interesting because I'm not even sure Catherine was or, you know, on her own side. I I, I, I got the, the sense. Did you get the, the feeling that she really did struggle with doing this? Um, yeah. But she just had that. She wanted the love with Keith more. And, you know, so she made her, her choice. Yeah. Uh, I think up to that point, people uh, had a different feeling. If there is a turning point for Catherine, I almost think that's it. Where yeah. she turns from, you know, okay, we, we understand her. And now it's like, okay, we don't like this. Yeah. Um, you know, Nikki, so a couple of things I'll bring out um, from the play that I think pertain to your character a lot. Nikki talks about, like, since your character met Keith, that she becomes focused on image only. And, you know, is she pretty enough? Is she this enough? Um, you know, do, do you see that pressure in real life? Yeah, of course, every day, um, seeing, you know, like, just even scrolling through Instagram, like, seeing, like, all this body positivity, and then the contrasting, like, um, for example, um, big hips, little waist, like, that type of thing, and, like, having a luscious head full of hair, even, um, like, beautiful locks and stuff like that, seeing those two contrasting um ideals on my like on my social media it's it's very common and it's very easy to get sucked into the oh my gosh i have to look like this or i have to look like that um and it's it's a lot it's it's stressful especially if you indulge yourself on like social media like Catherine does especially with this chatting site in her growing obsession with her looks like does Keith like it does Keith like this or um just like that growing obsession and she even mentions like I even take pictures of French vanilla vanilla yogurt and coffee like (laughs) even those types of things like thinking about like oh my gosh what is he like which also can be applied to like any types of social media as well right and so you know, the line after the everything is rebuilt and Keith is there and, you know, that tragedy happens, 
you know, she Catherine says the line about beautiful people. Uh, do they get a pass on deceit? So, what are your thoughts about if Keith shows up and she would have been a ten on the scale? You know, would he have still left because of the lie? Or would he have, because he's so driven by the physical appearance, what do you think he would have done in that case? I think it would have been both, in my opinion, because not only was he lied to, in my opinion, I feel like he was lusting after uh, Kat, who, Nikki, who's supposed to be Kat, because um, he is a very sexual person. And I think that's like a part of his personality that's so strong that he would have left not only for the lies, but also because it's not what he was expecting. And that that is terrible and unfortunate for him to do. But um, I think it's definitely more so in the middle. Like it's not just one. It's not the other. It's both. Uh, so do beautiful people get a pass? Does society allow them to uh, break the rules and get by with it or get by with less of a punishment than ugly, you know, quote unquote, ugly people, according to society standards? Um, I think beautiful people do get a pass. And it's really complicated for like the different like scenarios and situations that it could be. But I think most of the time, beautiful people do get a pass on doing dirty or like ugly quote unquote things. Whereas a person who's unattractive or quote unquote ugly, they really don't get a pass on that. And it's sad to see that, um, you know, going back to like Catherine, like who's obsessing over her looks and stuff. It's sad to see that um, people um, who are societal who um, are by society standards are more beautiful get a pass on get a pass on doing some of the worst things okay and Matt do you have a question for Elena before we go to Garrett uh, Elena were you surprised by the um, reaction of Kat at the end like uh, you know what ends up happening to her I actually yes um when I first read through the script, I only read up until the um, very explicit scene. I was like, okay, this is fine. And then, like, <laughs> sitting down at the actual reading, seeing and reading that, like, that was a re real reaction for me. Like, oh, this is a thing that happens. <laughs> I'm going to power through it. So, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so I was very shocked at it, and I was devastated reading it in real time just like oh my god this is what that looks like this is the reality that some people unfortunately go to when they feel like everything is just ruined for them yeah yeah i kind of i kind of had the same reaction when i read it the first time a, a while back but uh you know cat likes to uh she likes to make sure somebody has that happened <laughs> in every play? Somebody's not going to come out of the cast alive. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Gareth, uh, 
um, we now have, we'd like to welcome Gareth Palmer Owens to Backstory Sessions. It's great to have you. Hi. Thanks for having me on. Um, so, um, your accent, first of all, <laughs> will let people know that probably you are not originally from Barberville. So tell us a little bit about you and your acting experience that led you to Gorilla Girl. How did you get involved? Um, well, firstly, I'm Gareth Palmer, and I'm actually from South Africa, Cape Town. Um, yeah, so a bit about myself is I, I like, yeah, I was from South Africa, came to Barberville because of a swimming scholarship, and I've met a lot of wonderful people here in this college. Um, in terms of the acting, the question that you had, um, I actually, I don't even know, I really know myself how I got involved with it. I think, um, no, last year I tried getting, uh, getting more involved with the theatre and all that, and I just wasn't, uh, didn't have the time. And then this year, obviously, with that prior experience, just like seeing what they were doing, I just kept, kept in touch and kept monitoring emails and all that. And then I saw Christy say there was a play reading and I got interested and I was like, okay, let me um, contact her and ask her about it. And then, yeah, then I read the script when it was given it to, when it was given to us and it kind of enticed me. I enjoyed the script. I thought it was pretty interesting compared to a lot of plays that the college had done itself. And knowing that it's a play that's outside of the college was also interesting. So I've decided to allow my curiosity to take over and get involved with it. Great. Well, I'm, I'm for one, I'm really glad that you did um, because um, just like with Elena bringing Catherine to life, I really see, and, and I mean this in a, a very good way, um, but, you know, I, I think that you also brought the character of Keith to life. And um, so what are the challenges of preparing to play Keith, who, um, you know, is going to be seen by most as the villain? I think the biggest challenge for me, and we actually discussed about discussed it a little bit when we spoke at the beginning of uh, the practices and that, is I still don't totally see him as a villain if that makes any sense. Like, well, I don't justify anything that he said at the end of the play and don't really justify how he went about carrying his um, persona. Because there, for me, the difference is there still has to be a level of respect for females, regardless of what type of stuff you type of talk about and all that type, all those, like, instances. So I think the biggest challenges for me was trying to understand that in some sense, he is the villain of the play, but in other senses, I think there's a lot more humanity behind him that um, justified his reaction at the end. And a, a few of the other challenges was also trying to understand his mentality throughout the play. I know, I know, with the reading, we were discussing a lot, like where's the flipping point, or the turning point where he starts to formulate feelings for Catherine. Where, like, for me, I never really saw that um, play out until we did it last night and, yeah. and thought, okay, this is where, in this scene, in this instance, I think this is where he starts to realize there's a bit more than just um, 
for being sexual and obviously with um, things going on in his personal life is where he started latching onto a more, which seemed more secure form of intimacy. Well, I asked Alina the question, and so I'll ask you, because I'm curious for, from your perspective of Keith, um, had she been a 10, uh, you know, as he rated her, um, what do you think he would have done? Would he have stayed, forgiven her? I, I honestly have to say he would have stayed. But I also have to say the situation where um, if you had to reverse the situation, let's say she is, she's a 10 and she used another image that if they looked like Catherine at that point, all the emotional connection first before revealing herself, I don't think you would have given um, Catherine a chance at the beginning if you got a picture of just Catherine. Right. So it's, it's kind of like a double-edged sword, like, yeah, if everything went according to to like utopia, he would have definitely stayed, obviously given her a pass as was said, I think he would have been a bit upset that he was lied to, but at the end of the day, he got something better than what he expected. But at the same time, realistically, if Catherine had to have shown herself way, way at the beginning, I don't think Keith would have um, given it a second thought. As you can tell during the play, way early on, he has no regard for that he feels um, is inferior to him and looks. Well, one thing he says at the end, um, because it's easy to hate him at the end because he really says some very harsh things. Um, but when he talks about, you know, I, I think we could all use, agree that we could use a bit more truth here. Like, you know, that's justifying why he's like saying she's a two or three on the scale. Um, and that, you know, being honest is what is needed. Uh, so how do you react to that? Is he right? He is right. There, there is a level of truth that needs to be told every time, um, especially in something in forms of, like, dating apps. You've got a, a man that's literally put his whole life aside, thinking that whatever he was going through was what he thought it was and that as he says in the end of the play like that completely throws his life upside down right now because he was just he was just ready to leave everything behind and start a new life so and so i do agree with these phrase there where it's like everyone needs to be a bit more honest in life and stuff and it will cause less hurt because even if the truth is harsh um for for instance if Catherine was truthful from the beginning. I don't think she would have come to the suicide at the end. I don't think she would have put herself through that much um, emotional turmoil from being truthful from the beginning. And yeah, being truthful at the beginning would have been hurtful for her as seen in with the prior chats that she had before Keith. But she at least would have had a fight for herself, even if it would have um, hurt her. So at, at the beginning, if, if she would have shown her picture instead of Nikki's, um, do you think Keith would have said, you know, I think you're a two or three on the scale? 
Um, or was he only that harsh because of what had happened with the deceit? I, I, I honestly have to say, listening to how Nikki and Catherine talk to each other throughout the, the play, I really don't think Catherine is a bad-looking girl. I don't okay. think so whatsoever. I think... I think a lot of what he said at the end was obviously the shock scene that someone mm. has just come out of cancer and all that. And obviously, I mean, I know family members have been through that and they don't look the same. They're malnourished, all that type of stuff. And they look to deplete mm. and their youthfulness, youthfulness depletes as well. So, yeah, I can understand him being upset and that going, throwing the extra mile and him saying things to actually hurt her because he feels deeply as hurt. So I feel what he says at the end is to hurt her as much as he feels hurt or betrayed. But sure. I do feel that Catherine could be a, a attractive looking person, probably above average. And even with the cancer, I think if he got a picture from the beginning, I don't think he would have carried on um, speaking to her, but I don't think he would have said anything um, disrespectful or mean all right so um chrissy we'll start with you uh, what do you hope that the viewers take away from this play mm. you know i hope they leave thinking more about what kind of importance and significance they place on physicality and you know if they were in that position what's more important the looks or the deceit um yeah, for the deceit. Okay. Elena, same question. What do you hope they take away? I hope people take away um, that everyone is perfect who they are, regardless if someone thinks, thinks a lot of them or not, especially if it's like on the internet, and it's, especially when it's with dating. I hope people realize that they are perfect and wonderful as they are and social media and a person shouldn't reflect on that all right and gareth as our villain i guess you get the last word what do you hope that people take away i hope people realize that um <clears throat> that especially in this play i feel it plays both sides like as i said i don't think he is the true villain I don't think anyone is a true villain, but everyone has levels of that villain in them. So I think they take away from this play that it's not he's bad, she's bad, but regardless of all that in real life, that this stuff does happen. People go online, they lie to each other, and or they one will be truthful. There's manipulation in all areas. And I hope people just take away that they need to be careful of what they do and say, because you'll never truly understand how far your actions can cause someone to go. For example, I don't feel Keith will ever find out that Catherine killed herself. Wow. I always wonder if Nikki comes back to find her or if Keith does. I've always thought, you know, do they ever know? How do they know? But um, it's really interesting working with all of you and your participation with Gorilla Girl. And Matt, you have any last words about having them on the, the podcast? It's been great. Yeah, I just wanted to thank you all for taking the time. I know you have 
you know, you're under a time crunch, and uh, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to be on here and giving us your insights into your characters and and being involved in the play. Um, so thank you. And today we have Molly Gawazinski with us, and she plays the character Nikki. So Molly, we want to welcome you to Backstory Sessions. We're really happy to have you as a guest today. Hi, I'm kind of excited to be here. Great. I hope you feel that same way when the interview's over, and I'm sure you will. <laughs> um, so... At first, just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, your acting experience, and um, how you got involved with Gorilla Girl. Uh, I'm a junior at Union College, and I'm involved in the theater program here. I was Rhonda and and Sandrine in Almost Maine. Um, I was going to be Monica in Rehearsal for Murder that got bumped because of COVID. And I was in time zones apart as well. Our director, Christy, approached me with the opportunity to read for Gorilla Girl. And that's how I ended up as Nikki. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned the reading because um, my next question actually was about that. So I was fortunate enough to to be present to um, see the first reading. And... So if you could kind of take the listeners back to what it was like to read the last scene, which at the time seemed to me like maybe none of you had read the last scene prior to reading it live at that first practice reading. Is, is that true or had you read it? Uh, yeah, I hadn't read it. Originally, I know the email we got at the at first presenting the script to us was, hey, this is a script called Gorilla Girl. I haven't read it yet. Would you be interested? And I said, yeah, of course, because there had been no previous mention of like heavier topics. And I know with me, I can't speak for really anyone else. With me, I'm involved in several clubs in the sport on campus. And then trying to keep up with all of my um, schoolwork, reading the script just kind of it took a backseat for a little bit. It wasn't what was important right now. Sure. Um, and then when we got to the play, it was a very very sudden thing. And I I do think there could have been a few breadcrumbs scattered throughout that hinted that hey like this might be a possibility uh because just having it there was very uh i don't want to say grounding but it, it it very much forced you back into into like reality and like oh this is a thing that i've got to take a moment and check in with myself to make sure i actually want to do this and so for the listeners, like, what, what is it that you're, what is the it that you're referring to if they haven't seen the play yet? Um, there, there is a scene at the end where the main characters, Keith and Catherine, have an interaction, a big argument, a lot of hurtful words thrown about, and Keith ends up leaving. 
Nikki, who I played, reaches her limit and has to take a break. And as she leaves, Catherine decides to kill herself in what I thought was a very, very graphic style. Um, and not one you see often in women. And it just kind of it dropped off there. So, you know, uh, me watching the reading um, from the perspective of the playwright, I, I could tell that um, it did not seem like the cast knew what was going to happen because the reading really intensified, I think, um, maybe for wanting to know what's going to happen next. I'm not sure. But the reaction, um, you know, after it was read uh, was really was really hard for me to process as well. Um, I guess because I just assumed that, you know, that you all knew what was going to happen. And so it would be just, uh, you know, just like reading it for the millionth time, it kind of loses some of its impact. So. So I was really shocked um, as well that it went as it did. Um, so you also started that reading, I think, as Catherine. So you were at that time trying to, Chrissy, I think, was trying to decide who would be Nikki um, and who would be Catherine. So what was it like to read for the two different characters? What kind of different mindset was needed? For each one? Uh, I found it a lot harder to read for Catherine at the beginning because Catherine and I would not, we would not get along if we were both like very real people. I am a lot uh, realistic, tough love type of person. And so reading for Catherine where everything felt like a giant deal I understand, like, divorce is rough, I get it, but she seemed, she came off as a lot more forgiving than I would be, uh, and then switching to Nikki, Nikki I felt more comfortable with, and her boundaries were almost where mine are, but it felt more natural to read for Nikki, I will say. Um, and I, I think that you you turned out to make the character of Nikki. I, I do think it seemed compatible um, with the the you that I experienced um, throughout the different readings. I thought you brought a lot of of your own energy into making Nikki come to life. And so, again, you're leading into sort of my next question. Uh, one thing I was concerned about writing it was to make sure that I had a balance and that I wasn't making Keith. Uh, he was probably central in my mind when I was worrying about it, is that I wasn't making him completely the bad guy. And I know we're going to have a lot to talk about concerning him and your thoughts on him. But one thing I did not consider was, did I do the opposite with Nikki? Is Nikki... Um, too good of a character because she does put up with a lot and it seems like no matter what Catherine does she is forgiving and she's supportive you know is that realistic because I know you mentioned tough love so you know if Catherine's your friend 
Um, how was Nikki realistic? Was she too nice? I think the only part where I ever really had a problem with Nikki, uh, like a major problem, was when she suggested a Nani chat. Because my first thought was, why? Like, why a chat sign? Like, if you're lonely, why not be like, hey, we can, like, you can adopt a cat. Like, why, like, a cat or a dog or, like, even a little fish? Like, why Why was a Nani chat the first, the first leap there? Um, I do think their friendship, since they were 12, does come into a lot of Nikki's, I want to say, leniency with Kat. Um, because if they hadn't been friends since they were 12, if they had been like recent work friends, I think that would change the situation a lot. Because yes, you would help a work friend go through like divorce or, but the second they wanted to fixate on like, I'll be like, I'm ugly, I'll be alone forever. You'd be like, maybe, maybe this isn't my place. Maybe they need a better support system. But back to comparing it to like that lifelong friendship, I think with that lifelong friendship, Nikki is Catherine's support system. So she's learned to develop this leniency with Kat. Um, Keith, I do think Keith is the villain. Yes, Catherine was wrong to catfish him. Uh, Nikki, yeah, she would have been wrong to agree to give the pictures. But that still doesn't excuse a showing up at her door unannounced. That's a little creepy. That's a little creepy. Um, showing up at someone's door unannounced. And then after figuring out you were catfish, yes, being upset is fine. I understand if you'd be upset, but that does not give you the right to look at somebody and go, you look so ugly. It makes me sick to look at you. Right. And then immediately turn around and hit on their friend and be like, if you're ever free, hit me up. <laughs> like that's <laughs> to be fair, you know, this friend that he's saying that to is who he's been thinking that he's in love and having this relationship with for, you know, a period of time. So um I doubt I, I but he did feel like he knew her um, because that's who he thought he was talking to all the time. My thing with Catherine and Keith's relationship is I don't think they truly like actually loved each other. Sure, um, Catherine might have loved this idealized version of him. Right. She thought, because she didn't hear any of his bad parts. I don't think you ever truly love someone until you've experienced all their bad parts and you're like, yeah, I'd still love you. You don't like all she's heard is these amazing things. And I think the worst of it being like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't date an ugly person. You haven't seen what he's like when he's angry. You haven't seen what he's like when he's completely hopeless or when he's sick or when he's sad. So you don't know if you would actually love him. The same reason with Keith, with Catherine, is that you haven't seen them at their worst. Both of them put on fronts, Keith being um, more emotional and mentally, while Nikki's, well, not Nikki's, while Catherine's is both physically and mentally. They're not giving their whole selves to each other. 
Well, and then so at the end, based on that, he kind of does see the real Catherine. He yeah. does see the weakness and the worst part of her um, because then she's having this emotional breakdown and she, you know, he, he knows now that she has lied about who she is. Mm-hmm. So um, he can't handle that. So obviously at that point, I think there's, if there ever was any hope, I, I don't think that ever would have worked out, you know, had he stayed or whatever. I don't, I, I like you, I don't think there was ever that love that they thought. Um, but he does get to see her in, in that weakest point, I think, only at the end. Um, so, it's, it, was there anything about Keith that you liked? Um, I'm sure there was. Uh, I like you appreciate his honesty. There was one specific line. I can't remember what scene it was in, but it was he was talking about getting hurt. Uh, he I noticed it in like tech, and then again when we did the final performance. But he says something about like he doesn't want to get hurt, and then he switches it real quick. Let me see if I can pull it up on the script. Okay. But um, he switches it real quick to like we like I don't want us to get hurt. Like I don't know what we are. And right. I thought like that pretty much led to the me having the thought of like oh he he truly is like a very self serving character. Uh, and I thought that was like interesting. It gives him a little more of a reason. I don't not that it's a good reason, but it gives him a little more of a reason to be uh, an ass. Okay. But let's see if I can find it. But while you're looking for that line, one thing that I had asked um, Gareth about um, was the line at the end where he's talking about, um, you know, we all could use a little more truth. Um, and it's when he's telling Kat that she's a two or three on the scale. And, you know, your character's saying, oh, that's too harsh to. And he's saying, you know, that the truth is something that we all could agree that we need more of. So uh, is is he right? I mean, even if the truth is harsh, is it is it better to say it? Yes, but I don't think the fact that, uh, not Nikki, I keep confusing them, that Catherine is a two or three on the scale is the truth. Like, yes, Catherine should be told that, like, hey, you did something wrong here and it hurt a lot of people and it ruined our chances together. Uh, but I don't think like the two, three on the scale that I feel like was a complete lie. That was a hurt blow. Because he was hurt from the lie. He was angry and he wanted her to hurt in turn. And it seemed to work. Um, so how do you how do you reconcile that she, you know, who has been friends with Nikki since twelve, as you said, um, that Keith just everything he says um seems to have more influence over her after they meet than anything that Nikki says. I think it has a lot to do with the infatuation Catherine feels towards Keith, because that's what it is. It's infatuation. 
and she's like, wow, he can do no wrong. Like, again, going with that idol she's built of him in her head, that he's, like, perfect and that he can do no wrong. Like, the divorce, the divorce he's going through is clearly his wife's fault. Like, that's what she would think. Right. And she sees him as just being truthful in everything. So when he says, like, wow, you're gorgeous, even though it's not to her, she's like, yes, I am gorgeous. But then when he turns around and is like, you're ugly, she's like, yeah, I am. I feel like it's a big manipulation tactic on Keith's part. Do you know females who have put their self-worth based on, you know, what their love interest guy or girl um, has told them? Yeah, absolutely. And how do you deal with that as a friend? Dealing with it, once again, being like very tough love. I've absolutely told her she's an idiot, number one. Um, because if you base your opinion on a guy who cannot even be wholly devoted to you, then that's just a bad move on your part. Because he's clearly just not involved, like not wanting to get fully involved. And the fact that he's made you so convinced of something that you can't see that, like, he's wrong. It's very frustrating, and it just takes a lot of, um, you need to separate, you need to back off. And I will say a lot of the time, like, it doesn't work, because there's, once again, very infatuated. And a lot of the time, it's a safe bet as well in the particular stance. Do you think that it happens more, like, do you, do you have uh, male friends as well, that their self-worth becomes whatever the female or their love interest, uh, or, or do you think that females are more prone to, to place that self-worth based on what the love interest tells them about themselves? Um, I don't have many male friends, but I will say the one I ones I have like talked to instead of placing their self-worth on like a love interest they very much place their self their self-worth on their other male friends okay and so I would say in the situation where it's strictly a love interest I will say I do see more of like the female um placing their worth on a male and rather than like a male placing their worth on a female but I'm sure it does happen as to where um, a guy will place a lot of his self-image and self-worth on what um, their girlfriend thinks of them. But I just haven't had any personal experience with it. Uh, Matt, that might be a good question that we could pull you in on. Um, you know, what? <laughs> what, what's your experience of, like... Um, you know, are, are males influenced or to what degree do you feel like their self-worth is based on, you know, what the love interest thinks of them? Like, if they say you're worthless, then you're going to believe you're worthless. Um, or... I wouldn't say that that's the case. It's more like, uh, um, hmm. yeah. I don't know how to answer that one because I can see it from both sides. Like I, I know guys who are like that, but I'm not. So uh, 
Uh, yeah, that's a really tough question for me to answer. <laughs> okay. I do have a question for you both. Um, first, Kat, uh, what do you see as the age of these characters? I mean, they were written for a certain age group, I would think. Uh, yeah, I, I really think probably like mid thirties. Um, okay, would be the age that I see them. Um, you know, she's they've had the experience of marriage. Um, you know, Keith has two daughters, so um, he's definitely he, he may probably be the oldest of the three. Um, okay, and then so my he, yeah. Okay, and then my question was for you both: like, how much do you, like, how much do you, do you think age plays as a factor in the outcome of the play? And like, if the characters were older, say in their fifties, do you think it would have turned out differently? Um, I think I'm trying to think of like in the source of like Catherine, in the source of Catherine. If this had happened when she was a lot older, I think I feel like she'd be a lot more hesitant with the picture thing mm -hmm. and with the like idolizing and falling in infatuation with Keith. Keith, I feel like would probably already be divorced because it seems like he has a really big problem with like natural things happening, like the weight gain after having a child. He seems to have a problem with right. As his kids get older, I think, I just think he'll, it, it'll be another burden that he just doesn't want. So he'll probably be divorced. Um, so you, Nikki, see, you, you, see, you see Keith as sort of the Peter Pan type who wants to stay forever young? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, fair enough. I do like the thought of if this had happened when they were older... Uh, maybe like late forties, early fifties. I do think the the bond between Nikki and Catherine probably would have been a lot stronger, um, but not not in the sense of like Nikki's her rock, but right. in the sense of like um, Nikki had been there. Because thinking of it by that time, if we go with the uh, current timeline in this play, Catherine. Catherine would have her hair back. Catherine would have probably at least some self-confidence back. So she wouldn't need to lean on Nikki as much. So yes, they would still stay friends, but it wouldn't be like a I need you relationship. Right, yeah. Well, I can tell you that as you get older, you you know, you're less tolerant of, you know, crap, basically. And uh, maybe Catherine would not have gotten involved with him in the first place. I would Which think. would honestly be better for Catherine, so. Yeah. But it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he was such a bad involvement for her, so, I mean. Well, ultimately I, she was, or ultimately he was. <laughs> he did play but a big only because she caused that, you know? I mean. Well, she didn't ask him to come down. She didn't the relationship itself, um, had she just been up front with him, if, if he would have accepted her, we don't know that. But if, if not, it would have been like the others that, you know, 
just close the chat or whatever. It wouldn't have it had any long-term impact on her. But she got a lot of joy out of that relationship. And, and I think that he did as well. Um, so, so I think the relationship was a good thing had it not been for her actions of building it on the seat. Um, and then, of course, him coming there unexpectedly was no one would think that was a smart idea. I think I'm going to disagree with you there on the relationship being a good thing. Um, it comes off as a very manipulative relationship. It, it really does. Yeah, I, I'll have to agree with you there. I think uh, Keith had some issues that he, you know, that were not resolved. I mean, he was just a little too far out there for me to be um, likable. Uh, I mean, I can see why, you know, maybe he was lonely and I can see why he kept up the conversation, but, um, you know, he was certainly shallow and, uh, you know, basing his, whether he liked someone or not, or wanted to continue talking to them based on their looks. I mean, I think he said something about he had a quota for ugly friends and that sort of thing. <laughs> and, you know, put the hair over the face of she has long hair. Right. Um, you know, I mean, he, he definitely throughout the whole thing is, is very shallow. And, and, you know, each time Catherine hears that, it like devastates her um, because she knows or she her self-worth now is based on what she thinks he's going to think of her. And so every time she hears that, she just panics. And she's really, I mean, she's really very manipulative, too. Uh, they're a lot alike, just for different reasons, I think. I think what would have, what separates uh, Keith from Catherine and, the, and makes Keith worse is that if he hadn't come down, if he hadn't, like, gone to see her and they had just kept talking and she had just kept sending pics of Nikki and, like, Nikki knew, or if, even if Nikki didn't know, I think Keith would get bored. I think Keith would get bored. I think he would end up ghosting Catherine. And then Catherine would be stuck wondering, what did I do? What's wrong? Just in that, in that typical, like, oh, like, I'm really just looking for something in, in Keith's case, prettier and younger to, like, take my time. Well, when he shows the picture of the wife and, you know, she probably, by standards of the world, uh, was pretty. Um, but he's not happy with her anymore because she's a little bit heavier and um, he has other reasons. Uh, but do you think most women would be thinking like, I mean, do do most women like measure themselves against an ex or, you know, other people that the person's dated? I think, oh, I'm not good enough. I, I'm not that pretty. I'm not that. I'll never be that. I think it depends on where your self-confidence is. Because like me personally, I think I'm incredibly pretty. I think I'm incredibly pretty and I think I'm incredibly hot. And yeah, I do have like bad image days, but even on those days, I'm still like, yeah, I'm pretty. And then I look at another girl that yes, maybe in like a person I'm interested in has dated and she's their ex. I'm like, yeah, she's pretty, but she's not a worry because I'm also pretty. 
like and I get it like if you're I don't know pretty is so subjective pretty is so subjective like two different people can look at someone and be like I think they're incredibly stunning and the other person can be like yeah but they're not really my type like they're not pretty to me I get that a lot Sorry. Sorry. We laugh at crazy things. Um. So, what makes Nikki and Catherine different in that way? Like, why does Catherine? Because Nikki's character. So, either Nikki is a liar, or Nikki is telling the truth that Catherine really is more attractive. Um. Because we don't really know. I mean. We assume that that she is not an attractive person because that's the way she keeps portraying herself. But, um, you know, is she really a a decent looking person who just sees herself lowly? I think she's I think she's actually I think Catherine's actually very pretty. Like I've known I've known at least several ladies who have like had to shave their heads or like shave their heads to choose just to choose. Right. And, like, they've still just been pretty. Like, shaving your hair doesn't mean you're not pretty. Like, it's... My opinion, hair should be treated like an accessory. Change it if you want, don't change it if you want. It grows back at the end of the day. And even in Catherine's case, it will grow back at the end of the day. Like, it's... It's something that will change and something that you can change. It's no different than if Nikki were to shave her head. Except, do, you, do you think Nikki saw her as prettier because they've been friends since 12? And, you know, when you're with someone, the more things you like about them, usually the more attractive they become to you overall. So you're, you're not just focusing on a, the look or a this or that. So Keith then, for the first time, sees her. So is he the more honest one about how she looks? Because we don't really know. I feel like Nikki is the more honest one. Because, yes, even though she's been friends with Catherine for 12 years, she's probably seen all Catherine's awkward Like the middle school ice blue eyeshadow braces and rainbow (laughs) braces. Like... I think she thinks Catherine's pretty, and I think she's right. I think if Catherine were to go out tomorrow, like, dressed up, not even dressed up, just go out and be like, yeah, I'm finally out of the house. And just seeing that, like, seeing Catherine not worry about, like, how she looks and instead focusing on being out, I think that would just add to her beauty so much more. Because she's just, like, she'd be glowing from being out. And Keith... Keith has unrealistic expectations for what pretty is. That's what's his problem. You would say that, like, attitude is more important than looks. Yeah. 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 Okay. Maybe not in Keith's case, but, you know. No, Keith is real shallow. Yeah. (laughs) He is, definitely. Um, so here's my almost final question for you before I ask the last one. Um, the ending is, is left with most people thinking that she does commit suicide. Um, there was some discussion last night at the talk back that, you know, perhaps Nikki 
comes back in in only seconds and somehow saves her or tries to save her. Um, what do you think? How long do you think? Do you think Nikki came back? Um, I guess. Okay, I actually have to answer. I'm going to answer this with like a question for you. Okay. How is how is Catherine's apartment laid out? Where is the mirror in relation to the front door? So the way I see it is like the living room area. The door is there. It's like a small apartment. And then she kind of has the computer desk and this mirror vanity kind of set up, um, you know, off to the side of the living room. So I think it's more like an open space and it's just... um, laid out in sections but not with any divisions of walls mm. okay so i don't think nikki would hear uh because nikki nikki's very much in the mindset of i just i need to get out of here and assuming Catherine isn't on the first floor of the apartment and even if nikki were to hear like anything going on Catherine still has this whole big speech of like he loves me, he loves me not, like, I'm, why'd you lie to me here? I think it's very possible that Nikki's just, like, she'll have a meltdown for a little bit, and then she'll pick herself up, and she'll, yeah, she'll be sad, she'll probably cry for a bit. I think there might be the mentality of, I'll check on her tomorrow. Okay. I'll check on her tomorrow. Like, um, what? what's, What's the possibility then, because this went through my mind as well, what's the possibility Keith comes back, even if it's just to say, and, and, and I, you know, thought about, like, what would he come back for? Um, but what if he comes back to say, I want my flowers, you know? Um, <laughs> I think wildflowers are ugly. Wildflowers <laughs> <laughs> are ugly. only reason that he liked them was because he was like, that'll impress her. <laughs> but you know so i mean what what if he did like um do you think he would have tried to help her i mean is he absolutely. that horrible of a character absolutely not he wouldn't have tried to help he wow. would he would walk around the blood on the floor <laughs> and pick up the flowers yeah <laughs> <laughs> and the only reason he'd pick up the flowers was to be like i want my money back I wish we had Gareth on here. I would be very curious to see his thoughts on that. I will die on. I will not allow any redeeming qualities about Keith to be. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's a pretty interesting, um, pretty interesting take on him. So uh, the last question that I've asked, like, for each is, um, you know, what do you want people to take away from we saw some of uh the comments last night of what they did take away from it what do you want the message to be um i don't know if i have a specific message in mind i had i did bring up to you both last night and during tech that i would love to use like a clip of this either at the beginning or at the end um as like forum theater I would love to like use it as like a mental health aware awareness um, forum theater because I I think it could bring to light that like yeah 
people don't realize how um, devastating certain illnesses can be, even if it's not necessarily like cancer. Right. It's like um, an illness that like you you no longer can walk or like you have to have a, a limb amputated or you can't see anymore or you lose your hearing. Like, I feel like all of that can affect self-image and I feel like this would be a good play to kind of um, relate that. And that's, that's almost why I wish there was some more like, yes, we know Catherine has a therapist for her cancer, but I wish there was more of that, more of that struggle uh, in there. Both so the ending doesn't seem so sudden. And so we see that like, Hey, there can be real consequences when it comes to an illness. Um, do you, do you think though, like with having these things that you named off and there, there could be millions more, does society, because we, you know, our podcast is like not always about plays or not about any specific topic, more about the backstories, but um, we've done two episodes about people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing they talked about is being seen in a social and romantic way that people um, are okay with them being friends but they they are not able to see them as relationship material because of whatever disability that you know the person may have so in this in this mental health issue if society does feel that way a lot then it makes it, I think, easier to understand why these characters like Catherine um, may feel the way they do. Because there's not going to be people knocking down the door to see them in a re- as relationship material, at least according to what, you know, when we had the podcast, that was one thing that was brought up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Catherine, Catherine doesn't see herself as relationship material. And I think even the fact that Brett divorced her, which, of course, his name is Brett. But um, the fact that she's going through a divorce as well, so that it kind of proves to her that, like, society doesn't see her as relationship material. I think if there was, like, a, a character shift where she was like, fine, maybe I'm not, and just... Either she accepted it or she was like, no, I'm still relationship material. I don't know. I think, like, I think people with disabilities who have, like, not conquered them, but who are, like, even if they're still learning, even if they've still struggled with it, I think it's really badass and they shouldn't be taken as not relationship material because they've been, I don't know, inconvenienced by this thing that, like, I don't understand why they wouldn't be relationship material because they're still people so i don't it's just not something i can wrap my head around okay well um matt do you have any last questions or thoughts i excuse me i do not but i would like to say thank you for being here and uh sharing your thoughts and your insights into the character and uh I think uh, you did an awesome job playing Nikki and uh, the whole, you know, the whole process of the play and everything was done really well. 
you know, I really wish it was, it could have been acted out on stage because I would love to see you beat up, you know, Kay at the end when he's like (laughs) trying to kiss you and hug you because I feel like that stage combat would have gone out the door and you would have been like tearing right into him. We did. We spent so many, so many rehearsals for Rehearsal for Murder, learning stage combat, and I learned so much, and I never got to use it. (laughs) (laughs) I think this would be a great opportunity. I think think you'd probably end up kicking his ass. (laughs) (laughs) All that frustration coming out, you know, like, good bastard. (laughs) It would have seemed so realistic, I I do believe that, for sure. (laughs) Um, well, maybe someday, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I didn't ask anybody else that, but since the subject came up, I mean, how do you think it would have been different if it could have been acted out on stage uh, with all of the, uh, you know, with all of the actions more so than just the reading? Um, depend on the audience it's presented to, because obviously you can't have uh, smaller children there. Yeah. Um, so I think, I don't know if we could put it on stage for Union necessarily with, like, the town we're in. But I think if you had the right audience, you said uh, Nick, not Nikki's apartment, Catherine's apartment was very open. So you could, in theory, just lay out the stage one way and not really have to change it. Right. And I think um, with the whole online chat component, it would add a really nice touch if, like, there was a projector near the area and you could use that as a virtual divide for um, Keith and Catherine. And I I think the moments where they're walking towards each other and all the things the stage directions say, I think that would have built uh, a more sense of their relationship because they would have been physically so close but yet still separated yeah but the the thing I I think would have been difficult would be the ending scene you know where she has to break the mirror destroy all the stuff the wallflowers scattered every place then the blood you know I mean that would have been like um kind of a beautiful chaos I think um um, stage (laughs) it would have been interesting there was a uh, we did an intro to theater class with Christy, who was our director for this. And one of the superstitions that a lot of theaters have is you can't break a mirror on stage. <laughs> yeah. So that'd be a that'd be a process. Yeah. Uh, learning what to do about that. So. Right. Um, yeah. Well, do, do you think there was like too much uh, graphic? Um... And there's um, a lot a lot of sex in there, so Yeah, I think I don't I think there would have to be the ending could be fine if there was once again more of an explanation as to why she's doing what she's doing. Because mm-hmm. if you just take it at face value, which you have to think a lot of the people come in to see like a play, they'll just they're just seeing a play. So I think there if if Catherine, yes, had in, pa- in the past, like, self-harm, that would make a lot more sense as to why she, like, says what she says and why she cuts her face and why she cuts her leg. 
but there's there's no there's yeah, no, no other issue Catherine thinks about other than like she doesn't have hair. Like that's the only uh, body issue you really see is that like she's just stressed because she doesn't have hair. So I think if there was was more of that like a little bit of like body dysmorphia or something that would um, that would help the ending. Well, the, uh, good food for thought there, Kat. Maybe you want to add in some lines about self-harm and things like that. I'm going to have Keith come back and get those flowers and save her. That's what's <laughs> no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, I will not allow that. Absolutely <laughs> I'll make sure that it's the first read-through with you, Nikki, so you can help <laughs> A Molly, of course, but <laughs> would be Nikki. Um, Nikki's getting charged for assault is what will happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, were you surprised at the discussion that it sparked? Because uh, it seemed to be pretty intense after the um, reading last night. Um, there were a few like views I was a little bit surprised on. But other than that, no, I wasn't really surprised by, like, the conversation that it sparked. Because, um, with, yeah, conversations like this will happen. And I think it's nice to, like, it's a good thing to talk about and get awareness out there. And, like, yes, some viewpoints may need altered and changed. But it's a good start. Like, a conversation is a good start. Well, I think you all did exceptional. And, um... I was really proud of the of the work that you did. I think it's amazing for the time frame that you that you had, and um, we really appreciate you sharing your thoughts with us and your talent for Gorilla Girl. Thank you. And uh, today we have Emma Grace Imes, and Emma, we want to welcome you to Backstory Sessions. We're so happy to have you as a guest today. Yay. I'm happy to be oh, here. Oh, it's um, first, I like you just to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in theater and also in um, being involved with Gorilla Girl. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, I have been uh, doing theater forever um, since I was a child. Um, I'm less of a child now. I am mainly a playwright. I am also an actor. I started as an actor. I went to school to be an actor. And then during um, college, I went to the university theater. I said playwriting's fun. And now that's what I mostly do. Um, I got involved in Gorilla Girl, I think back in 2018, 2019. I think when um there was I think it was the first reading it was yes yes I was I was Nikki and I felt so embarrassed because I went in there and I didn't realize that was the place we were doing the reading and I went in and said in front of anyone everyone can I put on makeup and I went and I put on makeup and I realized oh wait this wasn't like backstage (laughs) (laughs) and I came back in the room and I felt so bad (laughs) I felt so bad that's a good backstory. I did I did not know that. Oh yeah, yeah. I felt 
I felt so embarrassed. I felt so rude. <laughs> I thought, I thought um, the, the way the building was set up, I didn't know what space we were going to be in. Right. And I walked into the, the, the little room. I didn't realize I was going to be in the room. So I thought that was like a green room or something. Right. And that's why I was like, oh, I'm going to go put my makeup on in the bathroom because <laughs> <laughs> no but yeah that's my history with uh with the gorilla girl and of course and of course i read stage directions for this past reading with the new dramatist guild which yes. i'm a member of it's a good i time. know and so um what's a little bit of the contrast from playing the character of nikki um, to almost the way I see it, um, the stage directions, especially in this virtual kind of reading, uh, almost seem like a, another character. So uh, what's it like to be Nikki and then to be stage directions? Um, remembering back to Nikki, I just, um, I remember for that first reading, just to bring her confidence um she was I just remember being Nikki being a person who was sure of herself right um so that was kind of what I remember from playing Nikki but uh stage directions um mainly what I focused on was uh creating a visual narrative without with um interrupting the dialogue as um minimal as possible I mean um I just wanted to set set the stage for you know the the real actors <laughs> to the um but, you know I think you I think you did more than that because your, your voice I I thought was a it was a very um unique and welcoming voice so when when there were the interruptions of what was going on uh i i felt like your voice was a character in that it you know you could say so and so walks to the door you know like you couldn't just read them matter of factly um but your voice had a certain interesting tone to it that almost set the mood and so i really feel like you were a character um, and particularly at the end, when we're not able to see visually, you know, we couldn't make the mirror break and the cutting and all of those things. I felt like your voice there and the tone that you set of the seriousness of it uh, was so important. And, and I thought you did an excellent job, Matt. Um, what did you think about that scene and about Emma's role in reading the final? I see. I, oh, sorry. <laughs> I think that uh, you know it's definitely important to have stage directions because this is this play is as much visual as it is you know uh, you know for the just the involvement of the actors and uh, it's you know it's important to have someone who does a good job because like you said it could be very monotone and you know kind of boring but yeah I think there was some aspect of uh the stage directions almost being uh you know a, like a character in the play because there's so much going on um 
yeah i totally under um i totally understand that i with the last scene and stuff i um i just you know i wanted to tell the story and that involved um understanding the beats and tempo of what was happening in the moment what was happening with the mirror breaks da 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 I just wanted to, because I know that moment is such like a, okay, this would be 10 times easier if we were in the same room with the audience, because I would be able, because I was just guessing how the audience would be breathing with that scene, you know, would be um, living with that. So I was just kind of taking that and trying to adjust the, how to deliver the visuals with um, what the audience is experiencing um i got i try not to stay monotone i mean i try to stay clear and stuff when i was reading stage directions but um my short play i realized how important stage directions were back when i had my short play crayon head red because the actor i got to play stage directions isaac um page was brilliant and in the beginning he um it was just this he found this comedic beat within the stage directions which I really needed because the play was a comedy but it could have easily been interpreted as a drama if you took the tone slightly to the right you know sure Mm -hmm. um yes (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, being a playwright, how um, how was it? Do you find yourself like rewriting or thinking? I might have taken this approach. um, You know, when you're reading someone else's work, I don't want to rewrite your play. when I'm reading someone else's work, um, it depends how long I'm staying with the work because, like, uh, Women's Theater Festival, they did a bunch of virtual plays, and I I witnessed those readings um, for those virtual stagings, however you call it, and a lot of those were new plays, and I also read them on New Play Exchange, and I never. There's like one or two where I was like, okay, that happened a little too fast. Um, but I feel like the more I stay with a play, the more I have in my head, ooh, ooh, you should do that. Ooh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my hands in and mess it all up. But um, I don't want to do that because I remember in preschool, I was drawing a horse. I only drew the fr- front part of it, and I had to go take my allergy medicine before lunch and so I had to go do that I come back in the room and my friend Rachel drew the butt and I um flipped out Uh I tore up the I tore up the picture because it was my picture I wanted to draw my horse's butt so I don't want to you know a play I feel like a place can never there's always something to change and I don't want to draw the horse's butt of your play well if you were to draw it, um, <laughs> you know, what, what changes would you make? What changes would I make? Um, uh, pacing. 
I think, um, pacing and sometimes I feel like the dialogue in the chat room makes sense because it's, you know, a chat room. It's different. People speak differently when it's on a screen. Right. But the dialogue with Nikki, um, and this is so nitpicky, there, at the end, there's something off-putting where she was explaining herself too clearly almost for what I felt like was an emotional moment. Like she was, it was like unnaturally clear she was explaining her intentions like she said she's it was like a b and c i need some time before i'm broken too which was a really nice thought and sentiment but i don't feel as if the character like nikki would have her thoughts together that well just like so um, not seem like the character throughout that had it together meaning k and and cat both are a mess yeah, well, she had it together, but that was, um, I don't, it, in my opinion, she was if together. I was drawing the butt, yeah, it was just that one moment, it was too together. I would like to see a moment where Nikki was, because I feel like out of all the moments of the play, that should be the the bit where she, you know, she leaves her, and maybe she doesn't explain why. Um, Because she clearly explained, um, I'll be back. I just need time alone. But it was something in the way she explained it. Um, If I was drawing the butt of the horse, I would have made it less um, clear. Well, one thing I asked Molly, who played Nikki this time, um, you know, I, from the writing perspective, I wanted to make sure that I didn't make Keith clearly the villain um, mm-hmm. I, I wanted everyone to have those good and bad uh, qualities but um did i make nikki too good did i go to the other extreme and make her too stable and too positive like there's really not a lot of bad things you can say about her character i don't think mm-hmm. yeah i think that's what um I think the thoughts I'm having about Nikki, I think that's kind of what it's getting to. That um, that I would like a little more dimension. I think in that scene specifically, uh, there's an opportunity to give her that by letting her slip from her emotional intelligence. Because she is really emotionally intelligent. She is. Right. Yeah. Well, do you... I'm oh, sorry. Did you want to see anger at at Catherine at the end from her? I mean, you know, she t- she sticks up for her, uh, mm-hmm. even to Kay and saying, you know, that she had a part in the pictures and she didn't care about all of that. Um, but did you want her to almost have that same level of anger after he left with Catherine at that point? Um, or do you think she would have been as she was kind of subdued and just explaining, you know, logically, this is what I have to do, the boundaries? Well, I feel I, I wouldn't see her. I couldn't really see her naturally being as angry as Keith because Keith 
she has the background of being um, stable, being emotionally intelligent. It would be nice if we saw her try to be emotionally intelligent and fail. Um, it would be nice to see her fail in that moment and maybe become, let it crack a little, let her become, become angry, not on purpose. Just maybe she tries to say, I need some time apart, but instead she says something totally different. Um, but giving her a flaw, like, or not even a flaw, just letting her have flawed moments, sure. more flawed moments, yeah. So um, I also asked this question, and it was interesting with Molly's response. So I'll, I'll see what you think. You know, had the play continued, we, we don't know what happens for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Catherine probably would have died no matter if they came back or not at that point. Mm-hmm. But let's say Keith comes back um, to simply the, to be like a jerk again and say, I want my flowers back or something, you know. Just, oh. <laughs> yeah, that would have been, you know, kind of typical for what you expect of him. Um, so do you think you would have tried to save Catherine? Would you try to save Catherine? I see, I feel like what I'm about to say may be rewriting Keith too much. Well, that's okay. Let, let, um, you can draw the butt again because you know, because he is another one. okay, so drawing like the midsection, um, <laughs> okay, um, which you fully please throw out in a tantrum at the daycare. Uh, I think. I think we mentioned this in the reading and I'm, and you mentioned how you hate how people do this. And I feel like Keith would be a bad person who would do this, but how, um, when people see people who are obviously disabled, how they will start treating them differently or start coddling them and how Keith may fight that, um, first instinct, um, when he sees Catherine, because it's like, you have to think the visual Catherine has cancer are you really gonna yell at a person who has cancer and is sickly but keith of course his rage overpowers that decision i wonder if he would feel pity or need to save or to help or intervene when he sees her in a very very much worse condition if he walked in on her after she cut herself um if there would be any pity and even if the pity doesn't take over if it would just even exist for a second for him to maybe bury it down maybe to let it let it run um part of me thinks keith keith okay then this is the ending this is me drawing the butt without drawing the midsection of the horse um Keith totally as the way he is, not really feeling, um, not really doing the asshole thing that um, people IRL do when they see a disabled person. They start, you know, um, infantilizing them and doing shitty things like that. Um, If he's just Keith as Keith as we know him, I think he would think, is there blood on me? (laughs) He would go in the room and think, is there blood? Did I get blood on my shoe? He would stay away. 
And if he happened to get blood on his shoe, then we would have an issue. Because he would, I've been watching a lot of forensic files with my roommate. He would want to not be at the scene of the crime. <laughs> and he would not want his um, shoe print to be there. Even the flowers. I don't even think flowers can have um, handprints. But if there was a card with the flowers, oh, they would have his fingerprints on them. <laughs> he um, would try to save his own ass um, if he walked in again. Um, and you know, that's a, that's a similar kind of answer that Molly gave. I wish I would have thought of it when I had, when we interviewed Gareth, because I'd be interested to see what he would have thought. Matt, uh, I'm also curious to see, cause we haven't discussed it, but I mean, do you see Keith? Is that how you see him too? Um, <clears throat> no, I think it would be like human nature to want to help someone who, you know, I think it, you know, the scene would be just so shocking to him that uh, he would want to do, <clears throat> excuse me, he would want to do something to help her. I mean, even though he's a, yeah. you know, even though he's a dick and, you know, he, like, traveled all the way across the world to meet some girl and found out he, it wasn't the one he was talking to and, you know, all that. But I, I think just human nature would make him want to help her. At least I'd yeah, like... Yeah, you know... Oh, sorry. I'd like to think that anyway. I mean, you, you bring up a good point that he is, you know, he could go totally the other way and just want to be, you know, not associated with it, but... Um, but there's, there's like, a little fact of the matter, you know, I kind of wasn't in the forefront of my thoughts, was that he did travel all this way, and... Maybe, you know, maybe you're, you're right. Maybe seeing the, the possibility of him seeing her broken may trigger a switch. And like, he may not double down on his indifference. He may make a change. He may remember her voice. Um, the, the, only, the only thing that made me think that was the fact that he has two daughters himself. And, you know, obviously you're, you know, you're... I don't know what the word is, empathetic towards your kids, probably more than mm -hmm. others, but, uh, you know, just the fact that he's a, you know, he's a parent, and, you know, she's somebody's kid, too, so I think that uh, that would come into play. Yeah, I think it all depends how um, much Keith let go of the situation when he leaves the room the first time. Because I feel like if he still has lingering feelings for who he was talking to, he would take the path of, I need to help this person. But I also, but if he was totally like, I'm going back home, I'm going back home, I'm getting away from this. Maybe even like his daughters could play into a choice of running away because he doesn't want to be jailed in the United States. Right, yeah. Well, away from his actual family. Well, yeah, that that's certainly a possibility too. I guess we yeah. won't know until the sequel. <laughs> I kind of think though. So. I mean, in that final scene, you know, obviously he's very upset with Catherine, but you know, he also says to her that I'm sorry, you know, that you were married to a jerk and that you've had cancer. I mean, I felt mm -hmm. I felt like on a human level that he did acknowledge that she had a difficult time, but that it wasn't right to take 
hurt and make more hurt. So I feel like that only romantically he was injured and he was angry at her because Mm -hmm. he was not attracted at all to her. But on a human level, I feel like he did have at least that um, part of him that said, you know, I, I am sorry that you had these experiences. So I think just seeing her as a human who is, you know, bleeding to death, potentially, mm-hmm. um, that that part, I, I don't think he's um, completely without feelings. I, I mm-hmm. think his feelings were just driven mostly by attraction. And so that's how his reaction was so harsh to her. But, you know, I I just think on a human level that he, um, he would have helped her. I think he would have. But it's an interesting question. Um, We don't know the answer to, and we don't know if she survives or all of that, but Mm -hmm. uh, what would you like to happen? So if if you, uh, if you could write the ending, and that's really not drawing, you know, because it, it isn't there. So what do you, what would you want to happen? Um, uh, for her to stand up and say, happy Halloween. It was all a joke. Ha ha. It's fine. I'm fine. <laughs> it's, and then there's balloons and they have a Halloween party. Um, <laughs> uh, I think that probably will not be the way it turns out, but um, uh, really dang it. Um, <laughs> probably, oh. okay, um, ooh, an ending, uh, there's a lot of blood, uh, and she cuts her neck, oof, okay, let me think, oh, I thought of a cool one, you can't, you okay. can't take it, you can't take All it, right. though. All right. Okay, the copyright immigrant signs a lot of this. Ending. Um, Don't worry, Kat. I can edit that out. Okay. Oh, no. That's right. We've got control of this. Ah. Oh, okay. okay, whatever. I'm not that married to it. Um, it would be interesting if, um, playing into the visual element more, if the pieces of the mirror reflecting herself gave birth to versions of herself or like shadows even that represent that you know are herself and comforted her comforted her for a moment that in maybe those last moments maybe she's alive that she finds herself within the reflections of the shattered mirror and they save her question mark Um, you know, that would be, like, a very interesting visual. I would love to see, like, that played out on stage. Um, mm-hmm. I'd, yeah, I'd that's like pretty to cool. I, I like that idea. Yeah. Oh, shucks. <laughs> yeah. So, what message um, would you want people to take away from the play? Um... Men online are weird. Um, Hey, now. (laughs) I mean, oh, just if a man online starts rating women by numbers or 
there's like 50 red flags with Keith. I think the, um, the message should be, you can do better. Um, (laughs) (laughs) you can do better than people like Keith. Okay. You deserve better. Um, you shouldn't let, uh, I mean, of course, Keith, he's human. He can, he has a, he can always redeem himself. He can always build, but you shouldn't let them as a person right now destroy you that much. You, but I mean, of course, Catherine had a lot of things on her. She also had cancer. She had her husband leaving her. And, um, and of course the isolation, which was so timely, ever so timely. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'll relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, was, um, priming her up for, to, to, you know, be abused, um, uh, in, abused back, you know, by lying so much. It was like a cycle, um, or a ping pong match of a bad time. Do you time. think a perfect storm is when the person who's broken and, like, Catherine meets the person like Keith, who, needs attention you know he loves the way she puts him on a pedestal is perfect you know i mean is that who ends up matched he's an egotistical person and she is primed and ready to romanticize a person who would give her um attention right and a romantic app yes okay message of the play uh watch yourself don't trust men online look at the red flags um, um, I think that's about don't let yourself get too get, don't glamorize people don't be like I'm gonna die if uh, with Keith doesn't message me like go eat some cake <laughs> there's so much to live for like <laughs> go eat some cake get some antidepressants it's gonna be fine <laughs> coming by a person who eats cake and antidepressants it's gonna be fine <laughs> So, what do you think people took away from it, like, based on the discussion that took place after? I had to mute myself because I was laughing so hard about how passionate people were getting. Yeah, um, it, it was quite a, quite interesting. I don't even know if it was a funny laugh. It was, like, a nervous laugh because it was just, like, out of the blue. It was so... I forgot who but one person was really upset. Um which is which is great. I mean, we love responses like that. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go off on a tan. I'm gonna go off on a different tangent. What what was the original question? <laughs> um, what what did you think that people took away from it based on their um, comments and conversations? Oh, uh, lies are bad. Um, lies lies hurt people. Um, it was mainly about. Uh, self-image, lies, disguise. Um, I think that was the main takeaway was the whole, you know, the emotional trauma of like, I know you, but I don't know what you look like visually. And on top of that, you straight up lied about what you look like. Um, I mean, yeah, I think that was the main takeaway. And like um, dynamics dating in the Anani chat age. Sure. <clears throat> so, Matt, do you have any last 
questions? Uh, no, I just wanted to make a comment, though. Um, okay. Emma, you were involved in Unstoppable, were you not? Oh, yes. Didn't you yes. do a reading for that when we did the first one? Yes. Yeah, That's I thought so. I, I just wanted to mention that because it happened to Aww. come to my mind when uh, you were doing your intro stuff. And, uh, uh, yeah. Yes, they did Unstoppable too. Right, that yeah. is one and the same. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that book is going to come out soon. <laughs> Wonderful. One of those That's days. Awesome. One of these days. Is it okay? It's uh, where are we with that cat? We're re rewriting some of it, and um. We are in this year. You have guaranteed on the podcast that it will be released. So, oh, that's um, true. Yeah. So here we are in March, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's right. We're two months out now. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to get my ass in gear on that one. But, yeah, I just wanted to mention that because uh, I remember you were there and did a really good job playing one of the characters. I don't remember which. Um, but, uh, I don't remember either. That's why I didn't bring it up. Yeah. I just remember the story. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, even that day, um, that was really a good place that you tied that in because uh, even that day, there were some strong comments uh, from the... Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, you know, I mean, if nothing else, I'd have to say that, um, you know, the writing does get people talking, and uh, that's certainly a goal, um, especially if it can be done, you know, in a <laughs> in a respectful way. Um, you know, sometimes people are really passionate, and that can, <laughs> you know, that could lead to... Uh, a harder to control situation, but in yeah. a virtual setting, you know, it's a lot easier because you can just mute them or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. like sit there and whatever, but nobody's listening to you. Uh, you know, I, I think one of the really funny things, though, I have to just say this because it reminded me, uh, you know, are like people that had their videos on uh, or and they weren't muted and they didn't know, I think, that they weren't muted. And so there's like a lot of little side conversations at different times. And uh, that was pretty funny to me. Oh, oh that um, during the actual show that um, that I started sweating bullets. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, see, there was this gonna be this show, like these other conversations. But, anyways, you know, it was interesting. Uh, you know, I I want to thank you so much for like um, participating in Gorilla Girl and Unstoppable and. Um, and to being on the podcast today because certainly you are very talented and it's it's just been great knowing you from the you know when I first met you and watching uh, all the different developments and as you spring out and see all these different projects um, it's amazing so gosh um we um we just enjoy having you here today, and um, we thank you for sharing your thoughts with us. Yay! I'm always open to um, help out fellow playwrights. Uh, yeah. Emma, if, if people want to get a hold of you, is there a good way for them to do that? Uh, can you yes. share share your contact information with yes. us? Yes, plug yourself right now. <laughs> I, um, my website is Emma Grace Imes, I-M-E-S dot com. My, I have a contact page on there, and 
if you also look up my name in the new play exchange, you'll be able to see. I think I have two of my plays on there if you want to peruse through what I got. All right. Um, awesome. And that's all. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, if anybody wants to reach out to Emma, feel free. Um, and if anybody wants to reach out to us, uh, if you have questions, concerns, comments, and uh, the criticisms, criticisms all go to Kat. At I write, <laughs> I write plays at Outlook, Outlook.com, or you can write to me at Backstory Sessions at gmail.com or Matt at Level11.com or my contacts, and I'll take all the good stuff, you know. But Cat gets all the all the hate mail and things like that, so. Uh, and on that note, we're going to end this epic podcast. I uh, hope you enjoyed everything uh, thus far about Gorilla Girl. Uh, we definitely uh, did a deep dive into that and uh, in talking to all the actors and Christy Connolly, the uh, uh, director of this, and Kat, the writer, yeah. of course. So um, we will see you next time. Kat, anything else? No, I I think it's been a great episode, and I've enjoyed getting to hear the different opinions of the cast and um, and director. Alrighty, great. Emma, thanks for being here. We really appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again sometime soon. Oh yay! Thank you for having me. Okay, take care, everyone. We'll see you next time.